0: Today on Hanging with Champions, we'll be hanging out with one of the rising stars in short track speed skating with one of the biggest smiles on the planet. She qualified for her first Olympic team while still in high school, is a junior world champion, and at just 20 years of age, is the face of short track in America. From Team USA, Mame Biney joins us today. So come on, hang with us on Hanging with Champions. And welcome back to Hanging with Champions, where every week we hang out with Olympic stars, past, present, and future. I'm Patrick Keenan from NBC Sports, the Olympic Channel, and from Westwood One. And here's the invitation, you can hang out with us too. You can subscribe and get notified when the next Hanging with Champions episode drops. So wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Pandora, iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify, and Stitcher, we're there. And you can leave some comments on our social channels on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So today, let's hop straight onto the ice and welcome in one of the fastest short track speed skaters in the world. It is Mame Baini. And Mame, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Excited. Doing
0: great. Fantastic to have you on the show. And first off, you're so many people's favorite short track speed skater. You're mine for another reason. You and I share a birthday. No way.
1: What? Right? Oh, my gosh. I oh, I love it when people have, like, the same, like, even the same month as me or the same day as me. But having the same month and day, I'm in love. Thank you. Oh, man.
0: Another reason to celebrate and, and tell everybody out there what your and my favorite day of the year is.
1: January 28th. Bingo.
0: Yeah. You, me, Alan Alda, and all the rest on January 28th. We, Aquarians, Stick together. Well, hey, mom, I'm so glad you're on the show. And, and first things first, you're known across sports for your permanent smile, infectious laughter. And, and to me, you're kind of the, the spirit of sunshine. So, I, my first question for you is this If I, and this, this podcast is probably going to last 30, 35 minutes. So, if I offered you $1 million to go 35 minutes on this podcast without smiling or laughing, could you do it?
1: definitely not hundred <laughs> percent not like a million dollars is a lot of money hundred percent like I get happy if I have five dollars but oh man I don't. I don't think so
0: <laughs> so so where, where did your just effervescence for life where, where did it come from is it is it you is it the friends you've surrounded yourself with is it your father what is it
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, for sure, has to, like, my dad, um, definitely, like, influenced me to, like, be more, um, happy and, like, have a very, like, joyous and grateful, um, like, outlook in life, for sure. Um, but I also think, like, um, like, how do I say this? Like, my friends for sure influenced me, because I, because for me, I pick my friends, who i feel like i'm they're exactly like me like if they're exactly like me then we are best friends 100 percent. because i don't know i just like don't really like it if i have a person in my life who's like super down all the time or just like is angry at the world you know and i understand if like you have a day or so that you Like, I mean, you can't be happy all the time. Completely understand that. But if that's, like, your outlook in life every single day, 24 hours a day, I just, no, thank you. I can't. But, um, yeah, my dad for sure, like, helped me get in, like, get into that, like, um... Very, like I said, very grateful outlook in life, because even though he's a serious, per- like, my dad is a very serious person, like, he, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> he, like, like, whenever I, like, try to tell him jokes, like, he just goes into, like, a little, like, lecture that's, like, oh, you can't tell jokes, like, this is not a joking matter, but <laughs> I'm, like, but it is, we gotta, we gotta, like, joke off about things, you know, but, um, other than that, like, when but the thing is like when my dad like tell when my dad tells a joke to me like i i don't know it's just it's just great like i i love it but yeah i don't know i've just i've just always had this and i think it started i think i started to notice it notice it a little bit more um when I was around like the age of like 12 to 14 um mainly because I was just going through like a rough patch with my coaches back in um the east coast and they were like not treating me right but I had to like come out with something instead of like crying all the time I had to like I don't know I was just like I can't do this all the time
0: it's a much better option sorry it's a much better option
1: yeah. yeah. I just kept it and I was like, oh, I like this.
0: <laughs> so so Mame, when your friends are having a really crappy day, are you yeah. the person they call to turn things around? Are you on speed dial for them?
1: Yeah. Yes. I l lo- so I love as so I love to talk. I'm sure you guys will know this. I- <laughs> this segment but i love to talk but as much as i love to talk i really like to listen i really like to like help out people or like kind of be like a therapist without being a therapist um (laughs) so yeah but i always like i always have this like open door policy with my friends that if you ever need anything if you ever need to like talk about whatever from like your Relationship problems, or your problems with parents, or school, or whatever. Like I, I am there, hundred percent. Like even though. Like if, cause I say that, oh, like I'm probably going to be like doing something at this moment. But if I, like, if I can't call you back right at this moment, just like give me like 10, 30 minutes and I'll call you back. Um, maybe an hour, depending on what I'm doing. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I love to listen to people and I love to like help out in any way that I can. Because So in
0: the, in the short track speed skating world, you would be Lucy from the Peanuts comic strip where the doctor is always in 24 seven.
1: Yes, yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what a great quality. So, I guess let's, let's kind of address the, the the giant elephant in the room, which is your current short track world cup season which we knew was going to be either pushed back or postponed, perhaps canceled and and even news came out earlier this week where the two world cup stops in Seoul and Beijing have now been uh, Cancelled those were scheduled to take place in mid to late December. So, uh, how how are you and how are your teammates with Team USA and your you know your your colleagues and friends across this board? How are they handling this now that at least the first half, if not more, of a, a very important World Cup season is not going to take place?
1: Yeah, oh man it it was really for me. I was kind of just like I don't know. I just had like. I was like, okay, this is like also kind of a good, good time to do it so that I personally like I, I'm trying to be more selfish in a way because for me, anyway, anyway, um, um, but I was just like, oh, like this is going to be like a good thing because now I have the moment or the opportunity, opportunity to get stronger in uh, places I just feel like I wasn't very strong in or work on like my starts, for example, or whatever, all this stuff. But then, on the flip side, like obviously it was like pretty bad and like devastating because um, this is this is a very important season because like next season is the Olympic season or the Olympic season is it Olympic season? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Wait,
0: it's-, it's COVID brain right there, mommy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. And so in order to qualify for the Olympic season, we need this season in order to rack up points and stuff. And, like, we already don't have the first four World Cups. And like it's just like no literally no one knows what's gonna happen because we i I was talking to like other people outside of the u.s and we were all just kind of saying like the same thing which is like we don't really know what we're training for right now like are we training for um january are we training for february are we training for the next um season because like what if like something uh, like happens in january and they're like oh yeah this is gonna be canceled too like are we not gonna have a season in general this season Um, so yeah. um, But like, as far as like our teammates, like we, I feel like we all kind of just like subconsciously knew that it wasn't like the the ISC was going to cancel the Asia World Cups because um we just heard like from the grapevine that one korea was like doing mandatory tests for two weeks or like yeah for two weeks and we had to be quarantined for two weeks and it would just been like a lot and then china obviously like had like their own little problems going on so we were just like we don't know what's going on so they're probably gonna um cancel it but yeah like it's devastating but at the same time i just I'm trying to like take um, the optimistic road and say, okay, yeah, like this is um, a time to like go on and try to figure out what I need to figure out and like what I need to um, work on to be bet the best at the 2022 Olympics. Hopefully. So
0: for, for athletes and, and we know that the, the uh, Tokyo summer games have been postponed by a year. Hopefully they take place next July, uh, regardless of sport, You guys are all training to put yourselves in peak athletic and competition um, standpoint um, whenever your season rolls around or especially when you're getting into an Olympic year, which for swimmers and for track and field athletes was this summer. So for all of those athletes, including the short track speed skaters, you brought up a a, a great point. What, What are you training for? Does the training change now because suddenly there are... Three or four more months, or more, of of non competition period for you, knowing that the Winter Games, should they take place in Beijing in 2022, are to to maybe the layman, uh, you know, they're a good year and a half away, but to the athlete, they're right around the corner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how like 2018, two years ago was when the 2018 games was happening. And now in tw- like in two years, now we have like the 2022 game. So like time just goes by super quickly. Um, and I just like, don't, I feel like people just like don't understand, especially if you're an athlete, how fast it goes. Um, but yeah, like going back to your question, um, we, so I've noticed that for like our training um schedule, like we just have a lot of volume going in. Like we're just doing laps upon laps upon laps. And it just kinda like, um, I don't know if like this is what Wilma is like trying to do, but I just feel like it's more of like a summer training, but like for extended period of time, which I think is like cool and great. Like more time or we have more time to like build and get stronger, which I'm completely like good for. Um but yeah, like it it's 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 hard.
0: <laughs> I mean, is, is it hard because you don't know when the payoff is going to come? I mean, mentally, is that the biggest obstacle outside of the training and the extension of that? But is it is it just knowing, I don't know when our first event is going to be?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is exactly like that because for me, like I try to base my um, racing skills or my racing like level on the first race that I have. So if I So for example, I think we were supposed to have like our our Amp Cup trials or World Cup trials like sometime this week or like like we were supposed to have it like very, very soon. And for me, I've been like, okay, I did well or I didn't do well this race. So I need to figure out what I need to do for the next one. But because we have this month or this few months of like not racing at all, um, that just is kind of like... And then we go into our first race um probably like sometime in january or february like i don't know i just feel like i'm not going to be able to figure out where i'm at fast enough in order to like get to where i want to be if that makes any sense because like that time is already wasted or well, not wasted but like we didn't have enough time to figure out what we needed to work on from like october to december and then now that we have um we're probably going to be having uh, competitions in January, it's just going to be a little too late for me. And I'm, it's just going to be hard and I need to figure out how to like balance myself. <laughs> well,
0: I, I know you're not a big college football fan, but back in, you know, April, May, June, when you didn't know exactly what a college football season was going to look like, you know, coaches had options of either keeping all of the athletes on campus, mm-hmm. uh, continuing to practice and and drill and condition and do the weight training in hopes that a season might take place a few months down the road, but not knowing other coaches decided, you know what, go home for a couple of weeks, get away, um, try to protect the brain, you know, in terms of protecting against burnout. Um, is, is Is that an option for you and the team, or is it still so ambiguous that they want to make sure that the team stays together and stays decently in shape, decently mentally sharp, in case things do turn positive in january
1: so that so um this season is like the first season that will has implemented that like almost every month or not every almost every month but every month at the end of the month you'll take like a five-ish day break so right now we're on our break right now and we actually go back tomorrow uh thursday for um our for like our regular like skating schedule um but yeah so but like for example like last season it was just like day in day out training all day 24 7 all that stuff and I just think that we'll like notice that because all of the athletes were just like super burnt out and like because like obviously like we all like love each other and we all are there for each other as like teammates and friends and stuff but like I'm sure like you get, t- I would get tired if like my brother or something was here at 24 seven, just like on me all the time. Um, and like, I would need a break from him. And like, that's the same thing with us on the, on the US team. Like as much as we love each other, I'm sure we don't want to see each other every single day. <laughs> like we want to get out cause we already, we already like had enough of each other. Um, so yeah, and that like, that's like what Will has um, like had like implemented for us uh, this season. So now going um, now like that, we're back and like doing our skating schedule. Like she's just mm-hmm. like, okay, we did our training super hard this week for like two weeks or something. And then we have a week off um, and then, or like three weeks or something. And then we have a week off and then we just go back to um, training hard again. So. Okay.
0: Visiting with Mama Biney on this week's version of Hang With Champions. And, Mami, we'll do a quick little reset here because I'm sure there are many people in our audience who know of your amazing family journey from Ghana to the United States, from the United States to Team USA, and to the 2018 PyeongChang Olympics. But there are many who don't. And it's a remarkable story. And I've read many articles about it, but I've never heard you basically articulate it on your own. Can you walk our audience through this just unbelievable story of uh, your father uh, coming here to the United States and, yeah. and you following a few years later?
1: Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I'm correct, but so my mom and my dad, they met, had me and my dad, blah, blah, or my, my brother. <laughs> oh
0: my <God. laughs> Let's not forget him. Now he really doesn't want to spend any more time with you.
1: <laughs> I love my brother. I'm kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> And me and my brother and then my dad wanted to come to the U.S. to like get like a better life and all that and like get ready for get ready for I'm pretty sure he wanted me and my like my family to come and like visit or like stay here but unfortunately my mother wanted to stay in Ghana and like because she has her own business in Ghana like a hairdressing business so she wanted to stay there and be um, a businesswoman so good on her for doing that um but yeah so unfortunately like my my parents like were on two different pages and so my dad came to america and like started a life here um and i think and so he started working for maximus um for and he's still with them and uh and so when i was like five years old, my dad, so, like, I think I, like, talked to my dad, and I, like, wanted to come and visit my dad, and so I came here with my, one of my dad's friends, and so me and her were on the plane together, and I, I, like, she told me that I was just, like, restless. Like, I would, like, move all the time. Like, no! <laughs> <laughs> I was that child on the plane.
0: That doesn't sound anything like you, mommy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and 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 she said that I had like a like a bottle of Sprite or something and it was just like game over she was just like oh my god <laughs> so yeah yeah <laughs> so after that like I um I met my dad and me and my dad like met and it was great and I think I was here for like a week or so and he and then like we went to a J.C. Penney. We went to a J.C. Penney in Maryland and he told me that I was like amazed like the that emoji with the stars on the <laughs> like basically he said that I was that just like oh my gosh wow this is amazing like he said that I would like pick up like a toy or something and then like say oh daddy I want this and then drop it and then go to a different toy and say daddy I want this and then drop it and then it's like a little cycle and he was just like oh my gosh like what is going on with this child (laughs) um so eventually I think he bought me like a couple like toys and stuff and so a week goes by and I tell him, and I'm like, daddy, I don't want to go back to Ghana. I want to stay here with you and I want to live my life here with you because I just love this so much. And so he said that he thought that he like I was kidding when I was saying, saying that because <laughs> I just like said that one time. He was like, oh, like she's just joking and like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And, but then, like, eventually, I just, like, kept telling him over and over again. And so he's like, okay, maybe she's actually being, like, serious about this. So he was like, okay, because she's being serious, let me go and, like, figure some stuff out. I don't know exactly what happened or how my dad was able to do it. But he uh, made sure that I was a U.S. citizen and I got my U.S. citizenship. And, yeah. And so I lived here with my, I've been here I'm in America with my dad for 15 years, and I think my dad has been here for way longer. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly how long, but yeah, so, yeah. so well,
0: this, So this is the first time I've heard this part of the story, and from what I read, your dad kind of settled in the, in the Maryland area back in the mid, mid-80s, but mm-hmm. so this was originally maybe a, a temporary – we were just coming to the United States to visit your dad. This was not intended to be permanent until the five- or six-year-old mom made – found some toys, saw JCPenney, spent some time with with her dad, and said, I'd like to stay. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that is exactly right, yeah. Like, I was literally supposed to be here for like three weeks, two weeks max, and that was it. And then just go back and live with my mom and brother. But yeah, I... I was a very ambitious little girl. I knew exactly what I wanted.
0: <laughs> still are, still are. So so has your dad told you much about the story? So a couple of the articles that I've read talked about him and basically how he left Ghana, mm-hmm. basically walking and hitchhiking and going across the Sahara Desert and barely with a couple of bucks to his name. And somehow after weeks or a month or two, found himself in the United States and settled uh, in, in the mid-Atlantic area of uh, Reston, Virginia, and, and Baltimore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. My dad, I, I feel like he's not not embarrassed, just like kind of just like the type to like just put his past behind him. So he doesn't really like talk to me about these kind of stuff because he just wants me to like focus on school and skating and just like do what I need to do. Um, but yeah, with like the little that he's told me, um, he's like said, a lot about the Sahara Desert and how he like had to walk across. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> Sahara Desert? <laughs> Why? <What? laughs> Holy cow! That's insane. I would like. I don't even know. Like, my. I just think like my dad's like a complete superhero for sure because like, how are you? I don't know. Like, how how is that even possible to do something like that? But he was able to do it, and thank goodness he did because him not being able to do that obviously i wouldn't be here um but yeah and he told me a little bit about his journey to france because he lived in france for a little bit and yeah he and because of him living in france he loves baguettes like he would go to um, <laughs> he would go to i think like giant um or like costco or something and like get baguettes and i I feel like i'm like saying that word wrong but i'm not french so (laughs) (laughs) but he would get that and he would always say oh this is not as good as the one in france this is not good this is not good i was like oh man and then he would always like have a baguette with like cheese too and i just thought that was like the weirdest thing because i just like don't see the like goodness of that but he likes it so he likes to eat things like that but yeah like because of his journey in France he loves baguettes and cheese with that so yeah and then he somehow managed to come um to the US and I think at first he like lived in I'm not I'm not quite sure but I feel like he lived in like Chicago for a little bit and then he came to like the um like the DC area and then started working for Maximus.
0: So from that point then, how does Ma May and Kwaku get to the point where you find yourself lacing up your first set of ice skates?
1: Yeah. Um, so it was actually like, it's actually a kind of cool story story, kind of cool story. Um, so my so my dad's obviously like the was the only person like taking care of me. So he would take me to his work um all the time, like after uh i don't think i was in school at that point but like he would take me to work or yeah i was at daycare sorry so after daycare he would take me to work and i would like sleep on sleep on his like floor or something and one day he just like decided to drive so maximus like maximus is like in reston um and like if you just like go straight uh, if you leave Maximus and just go straight, then there's like an ice drink. Um, there's like a McDonald's and then like an ice drink and then there's like a post office, blah, blah. So he just like decided to go straight that day instead of going home. And we saw a sign that said, learn to skate. And this is for figure skating. And I was in the back seat. don't know what I was doing, probably just like amazed at the world at this point. <laughs> and he was just like oh do you want to do you want to do this do you want to do this like learn to skate program thing i was like okay yeah sure why not i don't know anything about it but yeah okay let's let's go and so we went and my dad like i i got my skates on my first like public figure skates on and so my dad would always tell me that the first time i got on ice he was super scared because he would have he thought that i would like fall and like bust my head open or something because apparently i was just like flying and just going like all out didn't care about anything i was just like oh this is so fun (laughs) um and so yeah so I and so we started me and my dad, or my dad signed me up for figure skating lessons. And yeah, and then I just started figure skating for about like six months. And mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, so, so speed has always been in Mommy Biney's DNA, right? Whether it's uh, figure skating, short track as a six year old, and certainly short track now as an almost 21 year old.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed has always been in my DNA. Like,
0: is that one of the reasons why you switched from figure skating to short track? Was because almost kind of they 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 couldn't harness all the speed and energy that you possessed when you were trying to figure skate?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> um, I, so, our, my figure skating coach um, back in wrestling was actually a speed skating coach too, uh, who did the who was a coach for. The dc ice program in dc and she like talked to my dad and was just like oh your daughter is going a little too fast figure skating um <laughs> she should <has> try speed skating <laughs> and so my dad was like oh okay i don't know what that's i've never heard of that sport before but yeah let's go for it
0: so so the coach said hey so uh kwaku your daughter is a, a danger to the other kids on the ice because she's spinning and and uh, skating so fast we're going to need to put her a different rink, right, where she can just go 100 miles an hour, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly how the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so now let's uh, let, let's fast forward a little bit because um, boy, what a, what a life you've led. So born in Ghana, moved to the United States, decided to stay when you were very very young. Now pick up a couple of different sports, and then now it's going to like your your middle teenage years because. Now you're forced to kind of not live on your own again, but you moved again to Utah with a host family so that yeah. you could be, you know, right at the, you know, the headquarters and the training center for U.S. speed skating. So now your dad is still back in Virginia, you're in Utah, and you're, you know, a, a year or so out from making the national team and, and qualifying for the Olympics. And you, yeah. how hard was it again to? leave the man you just said is your superhero and your inspiration to move to Utah to, to train for an hour Olympic dream.
1: Yeah. So that conversation, like, I think that conversation lasted probably like five hours and like, not, not like in one sitting, but like spread out throughout the, um, like the weeks or a month or so that we had to figure out what, what I needed to do. Um, because I was in high school, I think I was, like, I was going into my senior year of high school, and I, so I wanted to stay, or I kind of wanted to, like, stay because I had, um, obviously my friends, but also that. so in, um, in South Lakes, which is my high school, uh, they had two, two diplomas. They had the standard diploma, and they had the advanced diploma, and the standard diploma, you just have to take, like, I don't know like it's like 20 credits or something and then you graduate and then the standard diploma or the advanced diploma had like 24 or something credits and then you would graduate and like obviously because i'm like thinking about college i was just like you know i kind of want to do the advanced diploma but i had to take more classes in order to do the advanced diploma and like actually stay there um and then if i took the advanced diploma i would only have to take two more classes and then i'd be finished with high school um so that was one of the conversations that i had with my dad because he was just like so like which diploma do you want to do do you want to do advanced or Do you want to do standard and also like how because there's also i don't remember what the exact like problem was but um i we talked to my counselor about it too and like it just basically had to go through like the government and the law in order for me to like be considered as like an adult to make my own decisions but my dad was just like yeah i just think like this is like too much so no we'll just we'll just figure out what you need to do um so yeah we figured out that like in order for me to like be the olympian that i wanted to be or like go to the olympics just in general Um, I needed to come to um, Salt Lake and like join the national team and just like skate under Anthony, um, with the national team girls too. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty hard, difficult decision to make too, because like, obviously I didn't, so I didn't really know anyone in Salt Lake um i only knew like maybe like one or two skaters because they were from my from the dominion team but other than that i didn't really know anyone and my dad didn't really know anyone but fortunately um a few months ago there was this family the Sorensen family who had a daughter named abby um who came to dominion and skated with us and they said that they had like one of the best experiences they've had skating under um under like the minion because we were all like super welcoming and so they really liked that environment and me and and them and my dad like got along super well um and so my dad was just like hey um melissa and robert like she mommy's coming to come to salt lake and train like can you guys like open up your home to allow her to come and like stay at your house for a few months and they were like yes of course like let her come on in like open door policy all that and i was just like oh this is amazing thank you guys so much so shout out to them to for allowing me to do that because now like we are forever close and i will be forever grateful to them um but yeah like it was definitely a hard decision to make but at the same time i was like pretty excited because i was like oh man like i get to like get out of the world or get out into the new, this new world and like go not live on my own or not on my own but with like new family and stuff so it was just I don't know I was just excited but also kind of just like oh, I'll be leaving my friends and my dad um, and yeah but I think it was a good decision to make
0: <laughs> so, so no more than maybe a little over a year later you're at the Olympic trials your dad yeah. is in the audience. The, the the crowd is whipped into a frenzy because they're, the, we were already seeing on the, on the national level kind of mommy mania. I mean, I, it was the story. It was the name. It was this huge support from such a loving, proud father who would whip everybody into a frenzy. Can you take us to the day where you're, you're racing to make the Olympic team? Because his fans need to realize there were only three spots available to, for, for the, the female uh, qualifiers for Team USA in short track, one at each of the distances, the 500, the thousand and the 15.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I was so nervous. Um, Yeah. Cause so I think there was either 16 or 15 girls um, in total and there was only three spots like, and we, I don't know. And like, everyone is like, pretty close in like skating range. So like, it could have been like the first like seven people that make the team. And yeah, I, oh man, I was so nervous um melissa she so she like she taught me that because i like the night before i couldn't sleep because i was just um just like tossing and turning i was just like oh my gosh i can't sleep right now like i'm either really excited or super nervous and i always get like that for the first day of school i I know i'm like (laughs) first day of school it's really weird but for the first day of school i always could never really sleep until like probably like 2 a.m because i was just like super nervous to like meet my teachers and get this new school life going but um yeah but like this was like on a whole new level obviously (laughs) um and i like talked to melissa about it and she's like yeah just like um put um what's it called so like go on youtube and have like this like melody music kind of thing for you to have
0: soothing music right
1: a soothing music so that you're you're able to like sleep and like have all these like neurons going in your brain, all this scientific stuff. Um so yeah, so I did that. It worked a little bit, but not as much. And I was just like, you know, it is what it is. This is my first time making making the Olympic trials. Like if I make the trials or if I make the Olympics, that'd be amazing. If I don't, that's completely okay too, because I have years to try again um and like the girls who would have made it would have been a great fit too because I'm sure they like worked hard enough to like get to this point also um but yeah like so um when asked so after my whole like frenzy with my mind thing I went I for this is a this is for the 500 day so we had two 500s and like two 15s and 2000s um so the 500 day i i don't know i just like i was like okay i know that i have like one of the fastest 500s in the country right now and i just need to skate like that's all i need to do just skate and don't fall and just go (laughs) um so the first 500 i went i went all out and i so like for me i need to like That's like the other, another thing that I need to be, that I need to work on is just like to be aware of people if like they're behind me or if they're not, um, to figure out if I need to block or not. So this whole time I was thinking that like Jessica Smith or Lana was behind me or Kristen. Um, I just thought that that they were behind me. I was just like, oh my gosh, like I just need to like stay on my feet and go, go, go. And then when I stopped, I was like, oh. They were, they were kind of there. They were, they were. It's fine, you know. But I made, I, I got point. I got enough points to like make it to the next step to see if I can like make it, make it to the actual games and like have like a spot. And so after, so then like break. We had like a break, and then it was like the next five hundred, um, like five hundred number two. And yeah, I, I was just like, if I just do it again, if I just go the same exact speed, the same exact um, like, like rhythm and everything, just like stay exactly the same, I, I got it. I have it in the bag. I just need to go. Um, and so I did. And I didn't realize that I made the team until like I went around the second time or around the um, rank, like after my resting, after I was done, I went around the rink, and Anthony like stretched out his hand and gave me a high five, and I was just like, "Oh, I made the team! Oh my!" God. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was cheering, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Wow, this is amazing!" And then I fell, and I was like, "Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Like, why would I do this to myself?"
0: And a cliffhanger of sorts as we wrap up part one of Hanging with Champions with Team USA Olympian short track speed skitter Mame Biney. Next time, we'll hear about what it was like for Mame to immediately become one of the marquee faces of Team USA that was heading to Pyeongchang at just 18 years of age, how Mame dealt with the immense global pressure, her Olympic future, and who she thinks has the best laughs of any Olympian athletes. That's all next time on part two of Hang With Champions with Olympic short tracker Mame Biney And as a reminder, you can hang out with us too. Subscribe and get notified when the next Hang With Champions episode drops, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify, and Stitcher, and you can also find us on our social channels, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We would love to hear your thoughts and your comments. So for Mame and our entire crew, I'm Patrick Kienis. Thanks to all of you for hanging with us on Hanging with Champions.